0: so continuing then with the chapter that we were on, the last evidence that we got up to was regarding the ayah or the hadith of Ibn Abbas. <laughs> رضي الله عنهما في قول الله تعالى وَقَالُوا لَا تَذَرُنَّ آلِهَتَكُمْ وَلَا تَذَرُنَّ wa وَلَا سُوَاعًا وَلَا يَغُوثَ وَيَعُوْقَ وَنَصْرًا and then it had mentioned in the hadith the story regarding those righteous people and when they passed away, the community, the society at the time were greatly saddened. To the extent after several stages, the shaitan convinced them to begin worshipping those idols or those pictures and statues. But when did shaytan convince them to do that it wasn't the first generation of them those initial people they knew the reality and they had been upon Tawheed for 10 generations that first group of the people the Shaytan did not convince them or attempt them to fall into shirk which ones were they the ones who came after them at a time where, as Ibn Abbas mentions in the Hadith, حَتَّىٰ إِذَا نُسِيَ الْعِلْمِ When knowledge had been lost or knowledge had been forgotten. And as Sheikh al-Fawzan, he makes a point regarding that. He says shaitan was able to impact upon them and convince them to fall into that shirk at a time when knowledge had become lost or forgotten amongst them and this therefore indicates that falling into shirk and falling into misguidance occurs in a situation where there is a lack of knowledge And he says One of the great masail One of the great issues And points of benefit to be taken here is Bayanu al-ilm Fi annaas, wa That there is a great virtue to having knowledge and scholars among the people. And that there is a great harm when knowledge and scholars are lost. لأن الشيطان ما تجرأ على الدعوة إلى الشرك مع وجود العلم The shaitan did not have the courage And the boldness To attempt to cause the people to fall into shirk When knowledge and the scholars were still present In the first generation of those people Knowledge and scholars were still present And the shaitan did not have the courage, was not bold enough to attempt to call them to shirk in that generation. (laughs) إِنَّمَا تَجَرَّأَقُ لَمَّا فُقِدَ الْعِلْمِ وَمَاتَ الْعُلَمَةِ He only had that boldness to then whisper to the people to commit shirk after knowledge had been lost and the scholars had died in that situation then when the knowledge had been lost and the scholars had died he then had the courage and the boldness to attempt To cause the people to fall into shirk Because remember like we said Prior to that For ten generations A thousand years approximately There was no shirk The people had been upon tawheed So the shaitan, For him to convince the people To fall into shirk Was a big thing initially And he did not try that in the presence of knowledge and the scholars. Only after knowledge was lost and forgotten and the scholars died and so that was not present, he then had the courage and the boldness to go do what he did. فَهَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ وُجُودَ الْعِلْمَ وَوُجُودَ الْعُلَمَ فِيهِ Kathir this therefore indicates that having the presence of knowledge and of scholars within that is a great goodness for the Ummah having knowledge and scholars. Present amongst the people. Within that is a great amount of goodness for the Ummah. And losing them. Is a great amount of evil that occurs. And that's why you see. The scholars themselves. When they talk about the scholars who have passed away. You see. The emotion in their voices at times and you see some of them weeping when remembering the scholars who have passed away from their scholars and their teachers. You see sometimes in some of these clips, a sheik al-Fawzan, when he speaks about the scholars who passed away and you see him weep at that. And you see in some places, in some of the writings and audios, as. sheik Allah Ta'ala weeping When talking about the scholars And the death of the scholars Because they understand the value of Ahlul Ilm They understand the value of the scholars And here you see a Shaykh Al-Fawzan has connected That value of knowledge and scholars Right back to the beginning Where Shirk first appeared It appeared due to one of the causes of knowledge and scholars disappearing When knowledge and the scholars were no longer present The shaitan had his opportunity And that's why it is so important Always As the scholars they say Returning back to the people of knowledge Returning back to the ulama, returning back to the scholars In the affairs of your religion and in the affairs of your dunya Seeking guidance from them, seeking input from them, seeking advice from them A person who abandons that methodology Then he will certainly end up upon misguided ways And in fact that is known to such a degree That as sheikh Ali Nasr Al-Faqih used to say, one of the core objectives of the people of innovation, of the deviants, the Ikhwanis and the Khawarij in particular, one of their core objectives with their da'wah to the youth is to disconnect the youth from Ahlul Ilm, the ulama, the scholars. Because if they can create that barrier and disconnection of the youth to the ulama, it then gives them freedom to the youth, to the people, to the society, to then do what they want and say what they want, and the community will know no better, because they are no longer connected to the ulama or the scholars, they are no longer taking from... The ulama from Ahlul Ilm, And that then gives freedom To the deviants To impress upon the community and the society And teach them whatever they want to teach them So as Shaykh Ali used to say That one of their objectives Is to create a disconnect Between the youth and the ulama That they don't want the people Referring back to the scholars They don't want the people Referring back to the ulama Because if the people continue doing that Then those deviants Cannot promote what they want to promote As soon as they start Promoting their deviancy The people return back to the scholars And the scholars inform them Of the misguidance of this approach So their objective Is to create A barrier Between the people and the ulama and returning back to the scholars. Because if they can create that barrier, then the people are theirs. And they can say whatever they want to them. They can uh, impress upon them whatever they want. And those people are not returning to the scholars. They're not seeking advice from the scholars. So it is an objective of the people of innovation to split between the communities and the ulama. And the scholars, and so here, that's why the sheikh mentions and scholars have always mentioned the importance of a rojou' ila 'ahl al-'ilm. How often do you see scholars giving lectures with that title, a 'ahl al-'ilm, returning back to the scholars, to the people of knowledge, ilmi wal ulama. How often do you see that title for lectures the scholars give? virtue of knowledge and the scholars so a person should not forget and should not neglect the virtue of knowledge and the virtue of ahlul ilm the scholars and their virtue is mentioned in the quran in the sunnah their status is mentioned their rank is mentioned and so it's important for a person who wishes to remain upon the correct methodology upon the correct Understanding the correct practice That they have That return back to the scholars In their affairs Seeking guidance from them And learning from them And studying from them Ahlul ilm, the ulama, And they are present But every time they are present Then as time goes by Some of them they pass away And that is what Allah Or the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Informed us of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala la Allah does not take the knowledge from min sudur nas from the chests of people Allah does not strip away knowledge from your chests Rather Allah takes away that knowledge how bimoutil ulama يَنْتَزِعُهُ بِمَوْتِ Ulama By the deaths of the scholars, when the scholars, they die, they take that knowledge with them, and when the scholars, they all pass away, then the people, they take the ignorant ones, the ignorant ones as their leaders, and so those ignorant ones, they misguide them and themselves. So here the sheikh he highlights, that the virtue of knowledge and the scholars it can be connected right back To the very first incident of shirk occurring upon this earth That it occurred when knowledge disappeared and the scholars disappeared amongst them And also from the benefits He mentions فِيهِ التَّحْذِيرُ min مَكْرِ That a person needs to be warned and precautious. To take precaution from the plotting and the plans of the shaitan. Then we'll move on to the next evidence. An Umar Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam قال la تطروني kama أطرت nasara Isa ibn Maryam إنما أنا عبدٌ، فقولوا عبد الله ورسوله. أخرجاه. إنس حديث عمر ابن الخطاب رضي الله عنه. He mentions that the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى عيسى بن مريم. Do not raise me and elevate me To the extent that the Christians did with Isa salam Remember this chapter was about the exaggeration The hulu, The excessiveness That leads to a person falling into shirk So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Told them do not exaggerate and raise me and elevate me to the level that the Christians ended up doing with Isa salam Rather, I am a servant. Inna ana abd. I am a servant. Fakoolu abdullah So say that I am the servant of Allah and His messenger. So the Prophet ﷺ forbade and prohibited from elevating him and raising him in exaggeration and excessiveness in praise of him. Al-Iqra'a huwa ziyadatu al-madh wal-mubalagha fi Kama hiya aadatu al-maddahin min ash shuara wa this is a habit, the sheikh says that some of the poets and their likes they have when they go into exaggeration in raising the rank of a person, in elevating an individual, excessiveness in praise for a person.. And this is a dispraiseworthy characteristic for you to do that for someone. Excessive and exaggerated praise in a person or in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is prohibited and also anyone other than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it is prohibited. Exaggerated and excessive praise of a person is prohibited But with regards to the right of the prophet wasallam, it is even more of a severe and serious affair that you should not go into exaggeration and excessiveness in the praise of a person. And this is like you'll see it all the time. When, uh, uh, not all the time, but in some of the lectures with the scholars When the person, the host of the uh, uh, gathering of the lecture The host may be there And the sheikh, the scholar, one of the ulama No doubt he is deserving of a level of praise So when they come, the host may say And we have with us today The great allama, the great fahama, the faridu zaman they may say all types of praise that is in reality going too far. And you see it sometimes on these videos when the Sheikh will then say the alim the scholar he will say no stop. Stop. That is not suitable, not befitting, don't say those things. You see it. And the host he's being innocent innocently praising the scholar and introducing him the great scholar the Lama, the such and such. And in fact it happened to one of the teachers in Medina, a well-known teacher in Medina, now he is considered from the scholars himself, he said, when I was young, one time a sheik al-Uthaymeen came to Medina, and he said, I was presenting him to everybody for the lecture, and he said, I began saying just normal kinds of things, not even excessive praise. Just the normal things, this is our Sheikh uh, al-Allama, Shaykh al-Athamina, al alama no doubt, al alama such and such, whichever words he used to introduce the Sheikh, and he said the Sheikh stopped me, stopped me and told me no, don't say those things. And they were normal words, not exaggeration or ghulu or anything, normal <laughs> praise, alim and, and scholar, and he said no, he took me and he said no, stop. And this is now from somebody who is considered from the teachers and well-known in Medina now. He said, this happened to me when I was young. So the scholars, you see that from them, they will not allow excessiveness. Anybody going into exaggeration with their affair. But the people of innovation, the complete opposite. If you do not go into exaggeration and excessiveness in regards to them, then you are considered as being someone miskeen who has belittled him or who has degraded him and you have no honor and respect for the sheikh you didn't say this and you didn't say that and it's not even about saying things you didn't wipe his hand and you didn't wipe his feet and you didn't bow even and all types of things they expect the people of innovation and misguidance and deviance and that is not the case with the scholars I'll give you a personal example I remember one time a sheikh Yusuf al-Dakhil Rahimahullah, he passed away, he was known in Medina from one of the Mashaykh of al Medina used to teach in the University of Medina in Sahih al-Bukhari and it is permissible I'll give this as an introduction it is permissible to do the khidmah of the people of respect and honor that <coughs> is mentioned in many ahadith somebody of status it is permissible for you to help them and aid them and do the khidmah for them as there are many narrations of how the companions used to do the khidmah of the Prophet wasallam, that is permissible So on one occasion, and the Sheikh was old, very old at the time This was just a couple of years before he passed away One time we were in the haram And as we were exiting or entering, but the shoes were on the floor The Sheikh's shoes were on the floor And he was an elderly man And it was difficult for him to bend down And pick up the shoes It was entering the haram Entering the haram Taking your shoes off And then to bend down and pick them up And then you take them and put them in the shoe racks So when he took them off I bent down to pick them up for him And he was an elderly man at the time Difficult to bend over to pick up the shoes And this is a permissible act Nothing wrong with that khidma of the one who is Of respect and status and elderly And so I bent down to pick up his shoes He said no He wouldn't allow it wouldn't allow it just from his pure humbleness even though there is nothing wrong in that action for the student to pick up the shoes for the sheikh because he physically would have difficulty to bend down and with difficulty he would have to pick those up and bend down and yet he wouldn't allow that action from his humbleness and humility he wouldn't allow that to occur and so this is the point being mentioned generally in this chapter of excessiveness and ghulu, the people of innovation, they fall into that. That is their asal almost. The Mashaykh of the Sufis and their likes, you have to show that ghulu, throw the money down and those things we were talking about. But here the Prophet ﷺ said regarding himself, do not raise me and praise me as the Christians they did. And so the Sheikh al al-Fawzan says, It is impermissible to go into exaggeration and excessiveness In praising someone Especially the messenger And other than him also لِأَنَّ ذَلِكَ يُؤَدِّي إِلَى الشِّرْكِ وَالْكُفْرِ Because that can lead to shirk and kufr And that is something you see with the people of deviation It leads to shirk It leads to them falling into acts that are impermissible Prostrating to their sheikhs and their imams, etc. And this is something that has happened throughout history. When people they exaggerated and went into excessiveness in the praise of the prophets, it ended up in them falling into shirk, just as it happened for the Christians when they went into exaggeration and excess in praising and raising Isa So the meaning of لا تطروني يعني لا تزيدوا في مدحي, do not go into excess in praising me كما أطرت Nasara ابن مريم just as the Christians they did regarding Isa and then he mentions about the name An Nasara, and there are some differences of opinion as to where that name comes from. Uh, one of them is because of the place in Palestine known as An Nasira, that the Christians were attributed to that as their location, uh, the place in Philistine, in Palestine, known as An Nasira. So they were known as An Nasara. That is one of the explanations and there are other explanations as to why they are known as an-nasara so the prophet said do not raise me as they raised isa alayhi salam and then he said or the point of that was as the sheikh mentions sababu fi al-kufr هو الغلو والعياذ بالله لأنهم لم يرتضوا أن يصفوا عيسى بأنه عبد الله ورسوله وإنما زادوا وقالوا إنه ابن الله جاء ليخلص الناس من الخطيئة وقتل وصلب من أجل أن يخلص الناس من الخطيئة ثم بعد قتله وصلبه قام وصعد إلى السماء So the reason why the Christians fell into their kufar Was their exaggeration and excessiveness Their ghulu That they were not content By accepting that Isa alayhi salam Is the servant of Allah and his messenger To describe him as the servant of Allah and his messenger They were not content Rather they added to that Exaggerated until they began saying He is actually the son of Allah and that he has come to uh, free the people from the sin that was committed, and so he was killed and he was born, uh, he was uh, uh crucified uh, in order to free the people from that sin, and then after he was killed and crucified as they claim, and of course he was not crucified. They claim he was crucified and killed and then that he rose up to the sky, to the heavens thereafter. وَهَذَا And the sheikh says, this is all a complete lie that they have made up regarding Isa salam. Allah tells us in the Qur'an, qataluhu wa That they did not kill him, neither did they crucify him. Ayah in the Qur'an. But instead a person His resemblance was made To that of Isa السلام, And they thought it was him And they crucified and killed So the person That they killed and crucified Was not Isa It was another individual Who the appearance resembling Isa was cast in, Al-Qallahu shabh al-Masih, عَلَيْهِ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He cast within that person the appearance of Isa alayhi salam, فَقُتِلَ وَصُلِبَ لِأَنَّهُ خَانَ وَدَلَّ الْكَفَرَ عَلَىٰ مَكَانِ الْمَسيْحِ And they say that this individual was the one who, uh, was taking them to where Isa alayhi salam was. He had betrayed Isa alayhi salam and was taking them to where he thought Isa was so that they could go and kill him. So then the appearance of Isa was cast upon him or the resemblance of that to the extent that when they went in there, they thought he was Isa and they killed him and they crucified him. So when they did that, they were not convinced and they didn't know with certainty that the person they have killed was it Isa السلام, or not and Allah tells us that in the Quran that those who Differed in regards to that affair They are in doubt over it And they do not have certain knowledge of that Falḥāsil. So the point here is though أَنَّ هَذَهُ النصارى, That this was the exaggeration Of the Christians in Isa salam, That they raised him and praised him Until they took him to the level Of being a god as they claimed of the Trinity The Son of Allah As they claimed But the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Tells us إِنَّمَا أَنَا عَبْدٌ فَقُولُوا عَبْدَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولَهُ That I am only a servant of Allah So say I am the servant of Allah And his messenger And this is a refutation Of both sides of the Hulu. When you say أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ and عَبَدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ That then is rad on both sides of the people who do ghulu. On one side, there are some people who do ghulu like this. They raise the messenger over and above his rank that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. And that is a high rank, of course. He is the best of all of mankind, the seal of the prophets and messengers. He is of that rank, but they raise him above that even. And they say, no, he's more than that. He had knowledge of the unseen, they claim. He was made out of light, they claim. When he walked, he didn't have a shadow because he was made out of light, as they claim. So they make all of these exaggerations about the Prophet Some of them to this day They say he is alive now and comes to our mosque In some of the mosques I heard the story Allahu Akbar, That in Ramadan when they pray tarawih That they have a chair and they put it in the corner of the mosque Empty chair, nobody sits on it In the corner, big chair And they pray tarawih then you ask them, why is that big chair, nobody can sit on it, why is it there? They say, the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, during the Tarawih prayer in Ramadan, he comes and sits on the chair. He comes and sits on the chair and watches us. In Ramadan, it's Mubarak. Ramadan, he comes and sits and watches us in the mosque. So then the question arises If the messenger is there in your masjid Then why is your imam leading the prayer And the messenger isn't leading the prayer And all other questions that arise Which are beyond comprehension So this is from their exaggeration From their ghulu and their misguidance That they say these things So to refute that we say no The messenger is Abdullah Ashadu Anna Muhammadan Abduhu He's not somebody who had knowledge of the unseen made out of light or any type of rububiya or that you call upon him or seek intercession from him. He is Abdullah. So that side of it is refuted Their exaggeration is refuted When you affirm and acknowledge That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Is the servant of Allah But then on the other side The ghulu on the other side Or the jafa' on the other side Is that the people They lower the messenger Below his status on the other side And they are the ones who refuse To accept the sunnah those who refuse to accept the Sunnah, the extreme ones like the Yun, the ones who say we only follow the Qur'an, nothing to do with the Sunnah. And that is something evidenced from the early times, from the time of the Salaf, how some of the people were misguided into that type of thinking. The famous narration, we've mentioned it before in the classes, the Hadith or that narration, from Al Hassan al-Basri, where he reported from Imran ibn Hussein that on one occasion Imran ibn Hussein was giving a lesson, and somebody in the lesson said to him, Hadithna bil Quran, that speak to us, give the lecture only quoting the Quran as your evidences. Don't quote any hadith. Because the hadith, who knows, maybe it is authentic, maybe it is weak. We don't know what's going on with the hadith. Hadithna bil Qur'ani faqab. Only talk to us and lecture us with evidences from the Qur'an. Because the Qur'an is obviously all established. But the hadith, we don't know. So he was telling him, leave the sunnah. Only the Qur'an. So then it's mentioned how Imran ibn Hussein said to him, Udnu. He said to him, come here. When the man came close to him, he said to him, أَرَأَيْتَ He said, do you see that if you and your likes who are upon this idea of yours, if you were left to the Qur'an only, then how would you know that Salatul Dhuhr is 4 Raka'at Does it tell you in the Quran That Dhuhr prayer is 4 Raka'at It doesn't mention that in the Quran How would you know he said to him That Salatul Asr is 4 Raka'at How would you know Asr prayer is 4 Raka'at Does it tell you in any ayah of the Quran Asr is 4 Raka'at And then he said to him How do you know Al-Maghrib is 3 Raka'at Tukra' fithnatain. And that you recite out loud in the first two And quiet in the third Are those details in any ayah of the Qur'an Then how would you know how to pray Maghrib prayer Then he said to him again Do you see if you and your companions were left to the Qur'an only Then how would you know That the tawaf is sab'an The tawaf is done seven times around the Kaaba. Tawaf When you do Umrah Hajj, does it tell you in the Qur'an anywhere? When you do Tawaf, it is seven times. Doesn't? Doesn't tell you it is seven times. That is told in the Sunnah. And the four Raka'at and Dhuhr and Asr and three for Maghrib. And all those details are in the Sunnah. So he said to him, if you are left to the Qur'an only, then how would you know? That Dhuhr you pray it with four And Asr with four And Maghrib with three And recite out loud in two And how would you know When you do and Hajj is seven times You wouldn't know any of those things How would you do those worships then So then Imran ibn Hussain said to the people Listen to us, follow us Meaning upon the methodology of Quran and Sunnah So the people who exaggerate on that side of things Do not give the due right to the Prophet وسلم, by abandoning the Sunnah and not implementing the Sunnah. So we affirm that, we say, Abaduhu wa Rasuluhu. He is the Messenger of Allah. So we will follow the Sunnah too. So then you refute the people who are exaggerating on that side. Now that's why the scholars they say, your testimony asha Muhammad and Ra, is a rebuke of both sides of exaggeration, and you are upon that middle path, upon the path of recognizing the status of the messenger, but not exaggerating beyond it, and recognizing the status of the messenger and not exaggerating below it. He is the servant of Allah, not above that, not Allah, not Rububiya in him. And he is the messenger of Allah. Came with the truth. Came with the revelation that you implement and practice. That which the messenger has come to you with, then take it. The messenger does not speak from his desires. Rather, that is revelation, that is given to him. Then take that, implement that. There's a narration. I think Abdurrahman Ibn uh, Amr one of the companions where he used to write down everything the messenger would say. He would write down all of the narrations, the various, what we call ahadith now, he would write it all down. And some of the mushrikeen they mocked him. They said, you write down everything your messenger says, you write down everything he says, even maybe affairs that are not, correct for you to write or affairs that are not right you write down everything so then he went to the messenger and said this is what they are criticizing me for they are saying that i write down all of the guidance that you give us everything i write it down as though that's something wrong and they're mocking me for it so then the prophet ﷺ said to him or narrated the ayah to him highlighted to him the messenger doesn't speak from desire. From anything of himself, all of that is revelation given to him. So the point here is, there is no exaggeration on one side nor the other side. It is a balanced affair. Abdullah, I don't understand why this chapter has taken so long. No. So then, the next evidence, waqal. قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ إِيَّاكُمْ وَالْغُلُوْ فَإِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ الْغُلُوْ Be warned from exaggeration, excessiveness For indeed those who came before you were destroyed due to their ghulu Due to their exaggeration and excessiveness وَإِيَّاكُمْ هَذِهِ كَلِمَةُ تَحْذِيرٌ When you say إِيَّاكُمْ in Arabic, it is a warning. So إِيَّاكُمْ وَالْغُلُوُ تَقَدَّمَ مَعْنَاهُ وَهُوَ أَزْزِيَادَةَ عَلَى الْحَدِّ الْمَشْرُوعِ وَهَذَا لَا يَجُوزُ وَهُوَ مَرْدُودٌ وَهَلَاكٌ بَلْ نَتَقَيَّدُ بِضَوَابِطِ الْعِبَادَةِ كما جاءت في سنة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم، so hulu as we said is going beyond the legislated boundaries. it is impermissible to go beyond the legislated boundaries. and uh, the person who does then that is rejected and it is destruction for him to go beyond the boundaries. rather we restrict ourselves to those criteria of worship, to the criteria we've been given in regards to all forms of worship. We restrict ourselves to that as it has come in the Sunnah. مِنْ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ وَسُنَّةِ رَسُولِهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم عَلَيْنَا الامتثال فقط. There is no, uh, we have no part to play, we have no role, no ability to get involved in putting down the boundaries to worship ourselves, to allocating the boundaries to worship ourselves. We do not allocate the times of worship or the description of how you do a particular worship or the form upon how you do a particular worship. We don't allocate those things and make the rulings on how to do those things ourselves. Ibadah is توقيفية that it is what you find in the Quran and the Sunnah and you cannot go beyond that. So we cling on to what is there And do not go beyond it فَإِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ مَنْ كان قبلكم For indeed those who came before you were only destroyed By way of their ghulu Their exaggeration Like the example of the Christians And their exaggeration in Isa Mithlu مثل النصارى غلو في Isa يعني فَأَخْرَجَهُمُ الغلو مِنَ الدِّينِ إِلَى الْكُفَرِ فهلكوا So they were exited from the religion of truth Into their kufr By this exaggeration and extremism That they had in regards to Isa alayhi salam فَفِي هَذَا التَّحْذِيرُ مِنَ الغلو فِي العبادات. So there's a warning here Do not go into exaggeration In terms of your worship Exaggeration being going beyond what the Sharia has stipulated And going into exaggeration in personalities, in people Praising and raising above the level that is prescribed in the boundaries And having exaggeration in anything And having exaggeration in anything Having exaggeration and extremism in anything Is prohibited They have a parable in Arabic Where they say that anything That goes beyond its prescribed limit Ends up in the opposite of what it was An example, something easy for people to understand is when you're cooking food. If you cook the food up until a particular time, leave it for 10 minutes to cook or 20 minutes to cook, then it cooks perfect and it tastes excellent. But if you go beyond, forget to turn the oven off, you come an hour later, what's left? Nothing burnt, crisp. It's gone to the opposite of what you desired. That's what they say When you take something Higher and higher and higher Beyond the level where it was supposed to be It now turns into the opposite Of what you had It goes into the negative So that is what occurs When you exaggerate beyond The boundaries of something كل غلو فهو Every exaggeration and excessiveness Is a path to destruction وَإِنَّمَا طَرِيقُ النَّجَاهُ هُوَ الْإِعْتِدَالُ وَالْإِسْتِقَامَةُ فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ وَمَنْ تَابَ مَعَكَ وَلَا تَضَغَوْ Rather the path to salvation is being upon the balanced and upright way Balanced and upright not having guloo or exaggeration in the affairs وَمَا هَلَكَتِ الْخَوَارِجُ وَالْمُعْتَزِلَ وَعُلَمَاءِ الْكَلَامِ إِلَّا بِسَبَبِ غلوهم. And the khawarij and the mu'tazila and the, the scholars of rhetoric, those people of innovation and deviance, they were not destroyed except because of their ghulu, their exaggeration in the affairs. فَالْخَوَارِجْ عِنْدَهُمْ عِبَادَةْ عَظِيمَةْ حَتَّى إِنَّ الصُّحَابَةْ يَحْقِرُونَ صَلَاتَهُمْ إِلَى صَلَاتِهِمْ وَعِنْدَهُمْ قِرَاءَةْ لِلْقُرْآنَ كَثِيرَةْ لَكِنَّهُمْ لَمْ يَقْتَصِرُوا عَلَى الْمَشْرُوعِ زادوا والعياذ بالله حتى هلكوا The khawarij They used to do a lot of worship Even the companions used to think that their prayer Compared to how much they pray is little And they had a lot of recitation of the Quran But they didn't restrict themselves To what was legislated They went beyond what was legislated Into exaggeration And that is what led to their downfall that is what led to their destruction. As for Ahlul Sunnah, Ahlul Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, Tawassatoo, Faathbatoo lillahi al-Asma'a wa-Sifat, Kama ja'at tanzihan bila ta'atil, Wahada nafiyun lil-Ghulu' fi tanzih, Wa ithbataan bila tamthil, Wahada nafiyun lil-Ghulu' fi l-Ithbat, Fahum tawassatu And you remember when it came to the names and attributes of Allah, The people of innovation went astray Because of exaggeration on two sides You had the Mu'attilah They exaggerated when they said We cannot compare Allah to creation True or false? True But they exaggerated so far in saying We can't compare Allah to creation They said the only way we can be sure We are not comparing Allah to creation Let's just say Allah doesn't have any Attributes Allah has no names and attributes That way we can't possibly be comparing him to anything And Ibn Taymiyyah said In reality you still have Worse You've compared Allah to Nothingness And the other side They said we have to affirm What Allah informed us of True or false? True But they exaggerated in that so much They began affirming The attributes of Allah To the extent they began comparing them To creation so both of those groups, the Mu'attila and the Mushabbiha, they began upon a principle that is correct, but they exaggerated in that principle so far beyond the bounds that they fell into destruction. And that is where we'll have to conclude today then. InshaAllah ta'ala, we'll resume next week at the same time, 8 p.m. We're beginning now. 8 p.m. InshaAllah ta'ala next week. Uh, for the continuation